So we're in week three of one of my favorite series called Ask Away, and uh, you, if you've been a part the last couple of weeks, you know a little bit about this series. You're actually driving the content of the messages within this series because on Easter Sunday, that was the day everybody decided to show up on the same Sunday, we gave you a survey card, and on that survey card we said, hey, ask away, ask some questions about life, about faith, about the Bible, about marriage, parenting, you name it. And so we had hundreds and hundreds of those cards returned to us between the two campuses. We've taken all of those questions and we've kind of put them in different themes and categories. And so during Ask Away every year, we answer real life questions. And that's what we've been doing the last couple of weeks. And that's what we're going to do today. Before we jump into the third week of Ask Away, I do want to remind you, you've heard this in different various forms of marketing and emails and video announcements and social media, but September the 8th is a big day. It really is a big day. Uh, We're rebranding the global vision of the church between the two campuses. Uh, We're launching what we will call Go Church. We get that from the Great Commission where Jesus instructed the disciples, and it's the mandate on our lives to therefore go and make disciples of all nations. So we're rebranding to Go Church on September the 8th, and uh, we're looking forward to that day. Also, if you're attending this campus, the South Metro Atlanta campus, then September the 8th, we're also launching three Sunday morning gatherings. And if you look around the room, this is one of two gatherings today that have been filled to capacity. And so we're so excited that in just three weeks from now, we're launching a third Sunday morning gathering at the South Metro Atlanta campus. That's 8 a.m., 9.45 a.m. and 11.30 a.m. And we're really excited. Are you just excited to be a part of a life-giving church? Come on, God's doing some great things. September the 8th is a great day to be here, to bring your family, to bring your friends, to bring unchurched people, unchurched family, unchurched friends, those that maybe have been hurt by the church or they're turned off by religion. That that week will also kick off a brand new series called At the Movies, where Blockbuster and the Bible meet. So we're going to take a few weeks to look at some movies and pull some biblical truths and principles from that. It's going to be a great month, and we're so excited about all that God is doing. But if you're ready for the word, say, I am. am. If you're ready for the word, turn to the person next to you and say, I hope you're ready too. Come on, tell them, say, I hope you're ready too. We're going to jump right into the question for the day. I'm going to sit on one question for the next 40 minutes. Uh, This question has, has been asked Probably the most of all the different questions, if you, if you kind of put, lump it into a theme. And so I want to take a minute, and I just want to talk about what heaven's going to be like. And I pray that at the, not, I was going to say at the end of the message, but I pray that through the whole message, you just are encouraged that those who are believers in Christ Jesus, you get, you get some fuel on your faith to know that, let me just go ahead and preach that this world ain't our home. Come on now. And that's good news. That's really good news. And here's, here's a thought about this question that the Lord dropped into my spirit. I'm not, I'm not surprised by it. I'm not surprised that people are curious about the afterlife. It doesn't shock me that people want to know what happens after we die. I think it was 2005 when Barbara Walters did that whole interview across the nation about what's heaven going to be like and what happens after, after we breathe our last breath on earth. And, and this isn't a question that just those in the faith are curious about. This is a question that people that don't even believe in God want to know the answer to. And let me just pause right here and say to those that are maybe skeptical of, of, of a loving God, you may not believe in him, but, but God believes in you. And I'm not surprised by a question like this because God put the curiosity inside of our hearts. If you look at the Bible, Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse number 11, it says this, that God has set eternity into the human heart. Another translation of Scripture says it this way, that God has planted the seed of eternity into our heart. And, and just like a, a farmer might plant a seed, that seed will grow. And so you and I, the older we get, the more curious we become about what happens after we die. And that's for a number of reasons, but probably none greater than today. We're one day closer to that reality than we were yesterday. So, so what, 
what's going to happen when this life is no more? And I mean, I mean, if God graced us with 70 years, 80 years, 90 years, I, I know somebody that just recently turned 104 years old. Yeah. But when you think about eternity, that 104 fails in comparison. So God has put that curiosity within us to think about, hey, what, what's going to happen? And what is heaven? And what's the afterlife like? Now, again, so many questions, a variety of questions about heaven were submitted. Let me just kind of uh, run through a few of them. Here's one that was asked. Uh, will, my, will my pets be in heaven? Uh, let me just go ahead and make sure everybody knows. Dogs, yes. Cats, no. Come on, give me a good amen. Come on now. You no, ain't no cat with that attitude getting into heaven. Uh-uh. Little demon-possessed fur balls. No, no, no. I'm going to get some emails from all the cat lovers. But all dogs go to heaven. And make no movie about all cats go to heaven. No, actually, I'm being honest with you. Uh, and you need to know this. All these questions, I mean, I, I'm learning with you. Um, you know, I, I'm, I'm not a theologian. I just gave my heart to Jesus 20 years ago. And, and he's given me the honor and the privilege to tell people my testimony and so let me stand up here each week and learn the Bible with you. So I'm learning about heaven too. And the other thing is, is I, I've never been. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> the closest I get to heaven is waking up next to Kimberly every morning. Come on, somebody. <laughs> As she walks out on me. It's all right. Ain't no problem. It's terrible timing, girl. If you're wondering who Kimberly is, that's my wife. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> But I think that, I really think that pets are going to go to heaven. I do. I, I believe there are animals in heaven. There were animals in the Garden of, of Eden. You know, that, so that, that paradise we see, we see animals. And if you read the Bible, Old Testament, New Testament, we see that God cares about the animals. I mean, he talks about even caring about the, the sparrows in the air. I mean, so there's a part of me that really believes that we're going to get to enjoy pets, that we're going to get to enjoy animals. Now, these animals are going to be very tamed. You know, I bought our kids a puppy for Christmas. That puppy ain't going to heaven, y'all. I'm telling you right now, that's a little demon possessed. If he doesn't get saved, he's going to hell. I'm telling you. But the pets in heaven are going to be very tamed. Your Bible says that the lion and the lamb will lay next to each other. So you know that lion got saved with some self-control. Come on. So I think that the animals are going to be very, very tamed. And so I, I believe that, that there's going to be pets in heaven. That, if, you lost a, if you lost Pookie to Poodle, that should make you feel real happy right there, by the way. Here's another one. Are we going to know our family in heaven? So this, this family on earth, do we get to know them in heaven? And I'm going to answer this just confidently. Absolutely. Absolutely, you're going to know your family, your earthly family when we get to heaven. Now, when I get to heaven, I'm excited to, to love Jesus, to worship Jesus, to, 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 to sing songs and, and all of the great things. And I'll give you some more things that we're going to do when we get to heaven here in a minute. But I'm also excited to see some of the people that left this world too soon. Some of my family, I, you know, uh, all of you that have been a part of this church for a while, it's a big part of my testimony, but I can't wait to see my dad. Really excited to see my dad in his glorified body, you know, where, where there is no heart disease and heart attacks. Come on now. You know, so I, I know that we're going to get to know our family in heaven. As a matter of fact, they're sitting on the TV, but write this down so you can read it later. 1 Corinthians 13 verse 12 says, for now, somebody say now. So now, like today, we see only a reflection as of a mirror. So this is just only like a, a glimpse. But then, somebody say then. So then, once we get to heaven, we shall see him face to face. Now watch this. Now, I only know in part. So I don't know everything, right? Now, I only know in part. But then I shall know fully. And watch this last line. And again, read it on your own time. I shall know fully even as I am fully known. And so I absolutely believe that we're going to know our family when we get to heaven. Uh, just, just for a little crowd participation, has anybody ever had a loved one pass on and you believe that they're in heaven? Come on, just wave at me. We get to be reunited one day. Isn't that good news? 
That should encourage you. Now, how about this one? I get asked this a lot. Are we going to be married in heaven? And I, I can tell you confidently, no. Now, some of you immediately are like, oh, man, that's real sad. And then some of you are like, heaven's sounding pretty good right now. <laughs> oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. My God. And, sir, we have another sermon series for you. And it starts at 1 o'clock this afternoon. It's free counseling, you know. But, but no, we're not going to be married in heaven. And here's why. Because God, and I, I, could, I could spend the next 30 minutes on this one question, but, but I'll, I'll move on. But here, here's why. God gave us the, the beauty of marriage as a reflection and representation of how much he loves us and how much he loves the church. So when we get to heaven, the type of intimacy and relationship that we need, we will find in Christ because we will be married to Christ. Come on, give me an amen right there. Now, now I know it seems sad. Like, that's why, fellas, you better spoil your wife while she's alive on this earth. Okay, and I know it feels sad to think, well, we're not going to be married. Now, I'm not saying that you won't know your spouse. I'm not saying that you won't still have uh, affection or love for them and that you will never know them or ever see them again. But what Luke 20, Jesus said, people will neither marry nor be giving in marriage. What that indicates is that a husband and a wife will no longer be in holy matrimony together because we will be married to Christ. Here's another one, and this one frustrates me probably more than any question, and I don't mean that you know, in a derogatory way, uh, some people, they, they ask because they genuinely don't know. But there's this, like, myth that heaven's going to be boring. That's going to be boring. Okay? I'm, I'm just telling you right now, there is no chance that heaven's going to be boring. You don't have to. And I think what we do is we've elevated things like Disney World and thought, well, Disney World's going to be like heaven. Disney World is ex exhaustive and expensive. Come on, somebody. Every parent in the room that's ever been to Disney World, that ain't no vacation. I don't even like my family at the end of Disney World. Last time we went to Disney World, I left with another family. Come on, somebody. Because they look like their children were more well-behaved. So I was, I'm going with them or them. Y'all, good luck. No, this idea of heaven being boring, that's a myth. Watch this. Let me, let me get excited for a minute. In heaven, we're going to sing. Even those of you who can't sing. Now, you sing in the shower. Yeah, you do. Y'all didn't want to say amen, but you know you do. But in heaven, we're going to sing. In heaven, watch, we're going to eat. With no calories. Come on now. No trans fat. There ain't no cholesterol in heaven, baby. Come on now. That's what I'm talking about. And I... Maybe it's just me, but I, I love food. As a matter of fact, I feel the Lord right now. Come on, just testify if you love food. Come on, I love. My God, yeah, yay, Lord. As a matter of fact, both of our campuses took a missions trip this week, and I had the privilege to go with them. I spent half of the week in Honduras and Waimaka, Honduras, and Tegucigalpa, and then I took a flight over to El Salvador where I was in the airport for a few hours and then I took that flight to Belize. So my itinerary was a touch different than those that were like in the trenches every day working at the care points and I did get to meet Jorge. Um, I gave him a big hug and uh, I was a special kid, a special kid. But I got, to, I got to hang out with some of the leadership of Children's Cup which is the nonprofit that we partnered with and, and so because me being the pastor, and taking two teams, I feel like they spoiled me a little bit. And, and anytime I travel, either it doesn't matter if I'm domestic or international, I love to taste the, the culture of food. Like I'm not, I'm not going to go somewhere and not say, what's, what's good here? So when I got to Honduras, I literally drank gallons, gallons of Honduran coffee. They could have put an IV in my veins, baby. I'm telling you right now. Like, I don't know if you've ever had Honduran coffee, but I bought enough it's for sale in the lobby on you. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> I don't know if it's legal, but I'm drinking it. I mean, it was so good. And then when I took, the, I took the flight to Belize, I stopped in El Salvador, and in the airport there was a stand where they were selling authentic papusas. 
And I don't know if you've ever had that or not, but if you haven't tried it, you have not lived. It was unbelievable, uh, the flavor and the taste. And then I got to Belize, and I said at one restaurant, I said, what's, what's good here? And they said, you know, in a thick Caribbean accent, you know, they said, you have to try the stewed chicken boy. And so I had the stewed chicken with curry rice and fried plantain. And I'm just telling you all of this because it's almost lunchtime and you're hungry. I'm doing this on purpose, y'all. And then we lived in Maryland. Kimberly and I, we moved to Maryland. We lived in Maryland for five years. We launched that Germantown campus. And I grew up in Florida, and so I know a little bit about seafood. But there is no crab cake like a Maryland crab cake. Come on, somebody. It's, I'm t- and they put, in Maryland, they put Old Bay on everything. You put Old Bay on ice cream. It don't matter. It's going on there. Old Bay everywhere. But now we live in the South. Thank God for biscuits and gravy. Oh, come on, some Southern folk. Testify to the goodness of deep fried buttermilk chicken. Come on, somebody. Pastor Trey's feeling the Holy Ghost right now over there. See, we're blessed. You know why we're blessed? Because we have something called sweet tea. Shaba. Sweet tea. But watch this. And you, you've, you've, eaten, you've eaten good food. But I had this thought. The nicest, the most expensive, uh, the most marinated, the most well-prepared meal that you've ever had is still contaminated because we live in a sin-filled world. So, no, thank you. So no matter what you've ever tasted, that taste fails in comparison to the food you and I get in heaven because in heaven there is no contamination. I wish I had like 200 people that just like, that at the marriage As a matter of fact, some of you have seen this on the internet, but someone from heaven was able to take a photo of what's going to be served at the marriage supper of the Lamb. Bam, right there, baby. Come on, somebody. Look at this combo. Tell me Jesus ain't all up in that. Chick-fil-A? Oh, hallelujah. Come on, you know Chick-fil-A will be served in heaven. Come on. And then when you're done, be like, hey, let's wash it down with a dozen dozen Krispy Kreme. Now, here's what some of you are thinking. That ain't going to be in heaven, you religious folk. That ain't going to be in heaven. I know, you're right, you're right. Because in heaven, the hot sign will be on. Come on now. (laughs) (laughs) Y'all ain't right. (laughs) I mean, in heaven, we we get to dance. We get to drink, and I'm not talking about that kind of drink. I'm talking about we get a new glorified body, which means we have a greater capacity for joy. Somebody say joy. We get to wear the nicest clothes. We get to be in community with God, community with Christ, community with the angels. Listen to me. Heaven will not be boring. It will not be boring. And so whatever idea you have about the greatest time you've ever had and the best party you've ever attended, there ain't no party like a party in heaven. Come on now. And you will not have to worry about being bored. Come on, that's a great place to put your hands together right there. All right, so, so what's heaven all about? And the Bible says a lot about heaven. And so for the next 25 minutes or so, I want to give you as much Bible as I can. I want to give you as much doctrine and as much theology as I can. And in between the first gathering and this gathering, I even cornered my father-in-law because he knows Scripture so well. And I said, hey, am I off target with anything? And so if I'm off target, now it's his fault because I asked him and he said, no, I'm good. So if I'm off, Matura at gmail.yahoo.com. Here we go. Go with me in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. I want you to see something. The Apostle Paul is visited by Jesus. And in a vision, Jesus gives him the details of the second coming and then a glimpse of parts of heaven. So you know, Paul writes letters to all of the churches, so he's writing this letter to the church at Thessalonica. And he starts off and he says this, Brothers and sisters, we want you to know And I'm so encouraged by that, that you and I serve a God that wants us to know what is to come. That he doesn't hold secret to certain things. Because in this, and you'll see it in a moment, the revelation of what is to come gives us hope that the rest of the world doesn't have. 
He says, so we want you to know what's going to happen to the believers who have died so that you will not grieve like people who have no hope. That's why I had you wave at me a moment ago to say, hey, I've had a loved one go on to heaven. Well, you and I, because we are in Christ and, and we believe that they are in Christ, then, then we don't have to grieve like the rest of the world that, that didn't accept Jesus as their Lord and Savior. Verse 14, he says this. He says, for since we believe that Jesus died and was raised to life again, do you believe that? Yeah. Come on, this is, this is fundamental to Christianity, that Jesus died, he was raised to life again. And then there's a, there's a third part here. We also believe that Jesus is, is coming back, that Jesus is returning. And when Jesus returns, watch what he says. He says, God will bring back with him all of those believers who have died. So when he comes back, he's bringing your grandmother, if she was saved, your, your father, if he was saved, your, your second cousin, twice removed, if, if they were saved, they're all coming back. Okay, watch this, verse 15. And we tell you this directly from the Lord. We who are still living when the Lord returns will not meet him ahead of those who have died. Watch verse 16, and I'll explain it so it's not confusing. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven, come on, with the commanding shout, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet call of God. Now let me just preach for just a second. If you're waiting to get your house in order until Jesus comes back, when you hear that trumpet call, it's too late. Today is the only day that you were promised, right here, right now, and Jesus Jesus could either call us home or come back in the moment, in the twinkling of an eye. So I'm not trying to be mean, and there's going to be some really hard parts to this encouraging conversation about heaven, but some of us need to stop playing games. We need to stop playing games. And he says that, that with the trumpet call of God, and watch verse 16 continued. First, the Christians who have died will rise from their graves. Now, here's why that can be confusing, because you're thinking, well, we just read that he was bringing them down from heaven, and now they're rising from the graves. Here's what that means. He's bringing with him the spirit, the soul, and watch this, and then their bodies are going to be raised from the dead, and the dead body and the soul of that individual will now be given a glorified body. Come on, somebody. It's going, it's going to happen so quick that CNN and Fox News and MSNBC, they're not going to be able to, they're not going to, be able to film it. It's going to happen. Then, together with them, we who are still alive and remain on the earth will be caught up in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. This is what that means. That means we're going to fly. I believe I can fly. I believe I can. Anyway, watch this. Then... We will be with the Lord for how long? And then I love how he closes this particular thought because all these years later, it's still so powerful. He says, so let us encourage each other with these words. Okay, I got to hurry. Something you may not know. Now, you may know this, but something you may not know is that the Bible actually talks about two different types of heaven. So the first type of heaven that is discussed in the scripture is a place called Paradise. Paradise. Write that down if you're taking notes. Then there is the heaven that hopefully all of us will spend the majority of our eternity in. So let me show you paradise because Jesus talks about paradise. In Luke 23, you might remember that Jesus is on the cross. On his right and left, there are two thieves. One of the thieves mocks Jesus, but the other thief actually cries out a prayer of repentance. And he says, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Okay, for, I want, I'm asking you, don't forget me. Remember me and forgive me. Watch this. And Jesus said, I tell you the truth. Today you will be with me in what? Both campuses? Both campuses say that word paradise on three. One, two, three. Paradise. Now paradise means a temporary place to rest and refresh. And you only stay in that paradise for a moment. 
because then you're going to go to another place. Now, when we think of heaven, let me say it like this. When I think of heaven, I think of living in some, like, supernatural cloud in the sky. Okay, but, but actually, paradise, you have to think more of like, a, like a, a beautiful garden or a magnificent park or some luxurious resort. And it's difficult to do because it's hard for our finite minds to comprehend an infinite God. Okay? But we've got this place called paradise, and, and that's where heaven is right now. But it's just a temporary lodging place. So that would lead us to the next question. Well, then what is this, this eternal heaven? So if paradise is this kind of, you know, temporary place to rest and refresh, then what is this eternal heaven? And this one, that as a believer, and I, I pray that, that you've accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior. If not today, you're going to get a chance to do that. But this is where, as believers, we will spend the remainder of our eternity in. And here's, here's what John, who was given a vision of heaven, he writes the book of Revelation. Here's how he says about this heaven. He says, Then I saw a new heaven, and I saw a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. Okay, now listen to me, because I'm going to teach for just a minute. The earth that you and I live in right now will one day be purified with fire. Just like it was purified with the great flood, this earth will one day be purified with fire. Now, if you're a believer, that doesn't uh, scare you because we ain't going to be here. Come on now, if you say that's good news. Okay? Everything on this earth will be burned down and then it will be made brand new. And this earth, through this purification of fire, will return back to the paradise that God created in the Garden of Eden. So watch this. So you and I, we often think about us going up to heaven, but heaven is actually coming down to earth. Come on. And heaven, watch this, will be a perfect earth. So we're not floating around in white robes. We're not floating around with big angelic wings. We're not, we're not going to be playing harp music 24-7. Harp music 24-7 is hell. That ain't heaven. Come on, somebody. Okay? That, that's not what this is about. You and I, in this new heaven or this new earth, we're actually going to be able to enjoy everything about the earth. Watch. The winds, the waves, the oceans, the streams, the mountains, but we'll enjoy them all in their perfected form. And watch this. In this new heaven, in this new earth, there won't be a sun and there won't even be a moon because the face of Jesus Christ will light up the world. Come on now. Oh, come on. If we're going to clap, let's do it. His face will be the moon. His face will be the sun. So we get this new heaven and we get this new earth. Let me give you four thoughts the Lord put in my heart for today. Write these down. The first thing about heaven you need to know is that heaven is a prepared place. Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you. Heaven is a prepared place. So some of, some of us need to be reminded of this or, or taught this. Heaven is not an illusion. Okay? Heaven is not some mystical island. Heaven is not nirvana. Heaven, heaven is not some fantasy land. Heaven is a prepared place. Heaven is a real place. So when John got a vision of heaven, watch what he said. Watch what he says in verse 14 of Revelation 21. He says, like, I saw with my own eyes this city, and the city was laid out like a square. And it was, what does it say? It was as long as it was wide. So John began to measure the city. And he took a rod and he found it to be 12,000 stadia in length. Now, this isn't 100% accurate, but some theologians, when they mathematically calculate what 12,000 stadia in length is calculated to be, 
They say that it's about 1,400 miles in every direction. Isn't that amazing? And as wide and high as it is long. Heaven isn't some made-up illusion. No, listen to me. Read the Bible. And you, you have to on a sermon like this because there's so much content in just 50 minutes of teaching. But heaven is a prepared place, and, and this prepared place will have streets that are made of gold. Like not contaminated pure gold, gold that is so pure that you're going to be able to see right through it. And this, 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 this place, this heaven, is going to have walls all around it, and they're going to be made of pure jasper. And there will be 12 gates to get into this place called heaven. And these 12 gates individually will be made by a single pearl. And standing at the entrance of every gate is a heavenly angel. Come on, church. Watch this. Inside of this prepared place, inside of heaven, there's going to be sapphire and topaz and emerald and amethyst and chrysolite and beryl. And they'll all be layered on top of one another, blending together like fireworks on display. Heaven is real and heaven is a prepared place so don't let anybody tell you that it's some made up no 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 it's prepared and it's a home that you and I can have the second thing is this heaven is a perfect place it's perfect there's no more death there's no more disease there's no more crying there there's no more sorrow there there's no more grief. Listen to me. In this perfect place, there are no scars from sin. There, there is no shame from the curse. There is no pain from our past. Come on, somebody ought to get excited about this, but in heaven, there is no financial debt. Now, that doesn't mean you can go use your credit card all day. No, there's no financial debt, and guess what? There's no traffic jams either. Come on now. There's, there's, no, there's no hospitals. There, there's no medicine. There's no cancer. There's no arthritis, migraines, knee pain, emotional pain, family pain. Listen to me. In heaven, this perfect place, there is no terrorism. There are no mass shootings. There is no racism. Come on now. In heaven, there is no poverty. In heaven, my God, there are no politics. Come on now. In heaven, there's no Republican Party. In heaven, there's no Democratic Party. Come on. That ought to make somebody shout right there that we get to remove ourselves from the junk of American politics. Heaven is perfect. She's beautiful and perfect. As a matter of fact, Revelation, John says it like this. He says, he will wipe away every tear from your eyes. Come on, I don't know who you are, but that should be such encouragement to the person that can't go to sleep at night without crying yourself to sleep. He'll wipe away every tear and there'll be no more death. There's no more mourning. There's no more crying. There's no more pain. And here's why. For the old order of things has passed away. The old order of things is how we do things now in this old earth. And he says, but there's coming a glorious day where we get to encounter and inherit a perfect place called heaven. Come on, can you just give Jesus some praise? Come on, both campuses. Come on, put your hands together for just 10 seconds. Let me give you two more. Heaven is a permanent place. I think the challenge with this particular reality is that everything we do right now has time attached. So, the home we live in now has like a 30-year mortgage. Or you got to be at work at a certain time. Or the doctor's appointment is at a certain time. Or the kids have a ball game or a dance recital. So, so it's hard for us to process forever. Forever. No beginning. No end forever. When I was a, a new believer, my, my passion for the Lord was, was certainly burning, but I had this fear of eternity. Because my, 
my brain could not comprehend forever. And then I began to realize the importance of every day that I live because how I live today determines where I spend forever. As a matter of fact, the Bible says it like this. I have so many thoughts in my head, but I'm just going to give you the word. There will be no more night. So, so, so the way that we have calendars and, and watches and time and, and sun and moon and morning and evening, now there's going to be no more, no more night and they're not even going to need light of a lamp nor the light of the sun for the, the Lord God will give them light and they will reign for how long? Forever and ever. And many of you, if you've been a part of this church, you've heard my testimony of my father passing away when I was 13. And as part of you know, just the emotional process of trying to figure things out. My mom would sit down and play an old upright piano in our living room. She's a very gifted uh, piano player. Even now, uh, she has terrible arthritis, but she still will sit down and play songs like How Great Thou Art, and you just feel Jesus walk in the room. And even though I ran, oh, I feel so emotional, excuse me. Um, even though I ran from the Lord as a teenager, justifying, you know, well, you took my dad, so I'm going to live how I want to live. There would be mornings or nights where my mom would sit down at that piano, and I'd sneak in, and I'd sit on that old rickety uh, piano bench, and she would sing a song like this. It's an older song. I don't know if anybody knows, but she would say, 10,000 years will just be started. 10,000 years, and we've just begun. The battle's over, and the victory's been won. How many of you know it? 10,000 years, and we've just begun. And I would sit there, and I would listen to the words and ponder, what do you mean in 10,000 years? And we're just getting started. I don't know who I'm talking to, whether you're in this room at our Germantown campus or online, but you better choose today. Yes, choose today what God you will serve because forever, we will all spend forever somewhere. The decision on where you spend eternity is yours. Last one, last one. Heaven is a place of rewards. <laughs> I'm going to mess up some of your theology here for a minute. This motivates me, by the way. Like, this, this excites me, and, and it should excite you as well. And I know that there's probably somebody in the room that's thinking, well, Pastor Ace here, are you telling me that you are, you are working for rewards? Yeah. I, I am. Because if I get to heaven and God is passing out rewards, holla at you, boy. Come on now. Like if, if, there, if there are rewards to be gained, then, then what do I got to do in order to get those rewards? So I want to hear, well done, good and faithful. And because you've done well and you've done good, here's some rewards for fighting the good fight, keeping the faith, and finishing the race. Come on now. Now watch this. Jesus gave his life for me. Jesus set me free. Je Jesus did that. So salvation is God's work for me. But rewards are my work for God. Oh, let me show it to you. Okay, let's go back to the Bible. He says, behold, I am coming soon. Jesus is coming back. And watch what he says. Come on, hang in there for, for a couple more minutes and we'll, we'll dismiss. Watch this. He says, and my reward... It's with me. Here's what he says. I'm so excited to bless my kids for their faithfulness of the life well lived that I'm not even going to wait for you to get to heaven to give you the reward. I'm bringing the reward with me. He says, when I come back, I'm bringing your reward with me. According to what? He has done. According to what he has done. Okay, let me share this thought with you real quick. I'll do it fast. There are actual, because you need to hear this. There are actually two judgments that all of us could potentially encounter 
after we exit this world. Two judgments. The first judgment is known as the great white throne judgment. This is a heaven and hell type of judgment. It's when you stand before God at the great white throne judgment, everyone, everyone will stand before God and you and I are going to give an account of the life that we lived. Everybody faces the great white throne judgment. And here's what I hear all the time. How could a loving God send someone to hell? God doesn't send people to hell. People choose to go to hell. God made a way where there seemed to be no way, so God gave his only begotten son to be crucified on the cross so that whosoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting, eternal life. That, that's the foundational verse of, of the gospel. It's John 3, 16. God doesn't send people to hell. He gives you an opportunity to be saved. But we're going to stand before God. Okay? Watch this. And at that point, it's simple. There is no conversation. There is no negotiation. As a matter of fact, at that point, there is no grace. Because his grace is sufficient now. And at the great white throne judgment, every single one of you, myself included, we will all face that day. And at that moment, there's going to be an open book. And it's called the Lamb's Book of Life. And when you stand before God, if your name is written in this Lamb's Book of Life, you're going to heaven. And that moment, if he finds your name, he'll say, well done, good and faithful servant. Come on in. But if your name is not found in the Lamb's book of life, I don't know what preachers have told you in the past. I know the type of uh, biblical teaching from this pulpit in this church. So I know you've heard this before if you've been around for a while. But as real as heaven is, so is hell. And if your name is not in this Lamb's book of life, then hell is your destination. That's it. That's it. And if your name is not in the Lamb's book of life, there is no second judgment. You'll spend eternity in the lake of fire. Because you have the chance to decide now. But if your name is written in the Lamb's book of life, you got five more minutes? Okay. I'm going to take it anyway. If your name is written in the Lamb's book of life, then you get a second judgment. And the second judgment is called the judgment seat of Christ. And this is what Paul talks about in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10. He says it like this. For we must all, now he's not talking about everybody at this point. He's talking about everyone whose name was written in the Lamb's book of life. Are you with me? He says, for all of us that pass through that first judgment, we must appear before the judgment seat of Christ. Why? So that each one of us can receive what is due him. For the, watch this. This is the Bible. For the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. Watch this. God just has some stuff that he wants to give his kids because you fought the good fight. You kept the faith. You finished the race. And I don't know about you, but I'll do whatever I can to get people to heaven. And if the Lord wants to bless me for that faith and that work, then thank you, Jesus, for your grace. Are you with me? Let me give you, let me give you one more. Matthew 16, verse 27. He says, for the Son of Man is going to come. And he's going to come in his Father's glory with his angels. And then he will, let's read it together. Both campuses on three. One, two, three. He will reward each person according to what are you doing? What are you doing? Who are you blessing? Who are you serving? What are you sacrificing? Let me tell you, one of the greatest days of my life was when I met Jesus. I think the second greatest day of my life was when I realized this life ain't about me that we are the hands and feet of Jesus extended. So, so what does all this mean? Here's what it means. It means you gotta, you got to live for eternity. You and I have to live for eternity, not, not, not live for the earth. Let me read this to you real fast. Titus chapter 2. For the grace of God has been revealed, bringing salvation to all people. 
And we are instructed to turn from godless living. I'm, I'm preaching to somebody now. To turn from godless living, to turn from sinful pleasures. Well, we, we should live in this evil world. I talked about that last week, that in this evil world we will have trouble. But, but he says, while you live in this evil world, do these three things. Live with wisdom, live with righteousness, and live with devotion to God. And then he says this, all the while, look forward with hope to that wonderful day when the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, will be revealed. The first thing you got to do is this, you got to prioritize your focus. You've got to prioritize your focus. Don't fall in love with earth. Don't fall in love with this world. I'm not saying don't save for retirement and, you know, invest in a 401k. But what I'm telling you is this. Don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth <laughs> where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But rather, here it is, store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. And I think sometimes you've got to prioritize your focus because we only look at what we can see. The old school church wasn't like that. You could kick them and they wouldn't budge because they'd sit around on a front porch and times would be difficult and they would say things like, when we all get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing that will be. When we all see Jesus, we'll sing and shout the victory. Come on. They would praise their way through the problem. And then, and then somebody else would say, some glad morning when this life is o'er, I'll fly away. Come on. To a home on God's celestial shore, I'll fly away. This world is not your home. So stop focusing on all the problems. Watch this. Every day focus on where you are going, not where you are. Come on prioritize people. I don't know how long you've been attending this church, whatever campus you're at, but one thing you need to know about my leadership and the conviction of my heart, and I say this unapologetically, I will do whatever we have to do short of sin to reach people for Jesus. I will. I, whatever, it, whatever it takes to reach, look at me, to reach your sons and your daughters and your grandsons and your granddaughters. If we have to show a movie in order for someone that has been hurt by the church or abandoned by the church or they're against organized religion, but a movie would draw them in so that I can preach this, then let us show a movie and serve popcorn too. Are you, are you with me? I said under my father-in-law's leadership as his youth pastor for seven and a half years, and just about every single staff meeting that I sat and listened to him, he would close and he would say this, he would say, this church is about three things, people, people, people. One time he made this statement, and it has wrecked me. He said, Jesus never viewed the people as an interruption to his work. He knew the people were his work. And let me just tell you, and then I'll, I'll close. You're going to leave here today, and you're going to go to some restaurant, and you're going to order some food. And you're going to get some service that isn't up to the level that you expect. They didn't bring your sweet tea on time or the food was a little cold. I'm not saying being taken advantage of, but are we not about people? So instead of giving that waiter or that waitress a hard time, what if you said, I know today you're busy, so instead of being upset with you, I'm going to bless you with the biggest tip you've ever been given. Because my, my Bible says it like this. My, my Bible says in Jude that we ought to be merciful, not disrespectful. And if anything frustrates me with Christians, it's that we act all holy in here, and then we act better than everybody else out there. Jesus never was concerned about the title. He always chose the towel because he knew that his ministry was about people. So that neighbor that you stay frustrated at, what if God moved them right next to you? so that you could snatch them from the fire and save them. Isn't that what it's about? As a matter of fact, the last few verses of your Bible says this, come, come on. So I don't know who it is watching online. I don't know what coworker you have, 
or what family member you have, but let, let them know the message of this church, the message of this house, come on. With all your problems, with all your baggage, with all your junk, with all your mess, come on. Because the only difference between us and you is we got here first. People, 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 write this thought down. you got to reach the lost at any cost because people really matter. All right, stand with me, both, both campuses. Here's the third one. I'm going to give you the verse, and then I'll give you the third thought under living for eternity. Second Peter chapter 3, but in keeping with this promise, we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth, which is the home of righteousness. Listen to this. Don't miss it. So then, friends, Please, please say yes to Jesus. It's the greatest decision you'll ever make. If you're looking forward to that day, then make every effort to be spotless and blameless and to be at peace with him. The problem with these things is you can't do it on your own strength, and neither could I. I couldn't wash away the filth of my life. I couldn't get away from the blame and the shame and the regret. And I had no peace. But Jesus. Jesus. And here's a third one, because you've got to live for eternity. You've got to prioritize your relationship with God because I'm going to ask you the most important question. The team is coming to sing. I'm done. I'm walking off the stage as soon as I read this. Where will you spend eternity? <laughs> 